0: Good morning. morning. So nice to be here. Didn't you want worship to go on for another 15 or 20, 30, an hour and a half longer? So good. I was sitting down there and, you know, I don't know if I had an aha moment, but as I was sitting there, I have never really had this thought hit me. Maybe not all thoughts should be shared out loud, but I'll go ahead and share this one. Um, You know, when the spirit is in the place, we have to worship. Because the Spirit is worshiping the Father, the Son. Yeah, that didn't go over very well. I just sat there and thought, God, you can feel the Spirit in this place. You can feel it in this place, and I could feel it in this place. And so we have a question for you. As we've prepped for the weekend, and when I say we, I do mean we. There's a team of us that have been praying and prepping for this weekend. And the question we want to ask you is, why are you here why are you here? To experience life change. There you go. There's an answer. Why are you here? I want you to think about that question, and I want you just to internalize it a little in yourself. Why are you here? Is it something you do every Sunday? Is it something you do every weekend? Is it routine? What is the reason that God has brought you here? And maybe it's going to be different than what you thought. And I would ask that we would open our hearts to be ready for something that we're going to encounter the spirit in a way that's going to be something new, something fresh. You know, um, in case I haven't met you, because there are so many, we've been blessed with so many new people. My name is Mary, and I do have the privilege of of, uh, serving on staff, but more so being a part of this community for, we're going on our 35th year, and I'm very young. I started very young. Uh, and we have been blessed to be part of this community. If you're new to the community, if it's the first time, I love the term Pastor Daniel used if you're in the house. It's first time in, we pray that you come and feel like you're loved and seen and noticed because that's what this community is about. We're grateful for that. If you're uh, uh, participating online, we're grateful that you're with us. Um, and again, we're gonna dig right into the message this morning. Pastor Daniel came into, we were having a meeting, and at the end of that meeting, he asked me if I would consider speaking on a topic, and the topic was, how do we move forward when the past or present is too painful? I got that topic. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know, in the last two years, you would have to agree that it's not been easy. There aren't too many people that I dialogue with that say, oh, it's been so great, so many good things have happened. Now, I'm not saying good things haven't happened, and they don't mention that, but I am saying that's not the tone for the last couple years. The tone for the last couple years inevitably will be something like, yeah, I'm really sad I have a broken relationship, there's been this happen in our family, we've had a loss, more than one loss. There's been things that have been really hard that we've had to walk through. I've had to find a new job. I haven't known if I've had a job. My kids' schooling situation hasn't been easy. And you know our marriage is struggling. And you know what comes to mind when I hear that is um, because of my own marriage and the reality of of the humanity in which we live and the world in which we live, not everything when we uh, begin our walk with Jesus is like, fully together or whole so if any relationship has any type of little crack a brokenness when weight gets put on it what happens it spreads right it gets bigger right it, it, it becomes it can become a canyon where everything falls into it and is destroyed right and so when we come into pain and suffering we're going to look at it in regard to that crack Suffering and pain happens, and we need to learn to be able to walk in a new way so that that suffering and that pain doesn't cause this this imploding of our relationships, imploding of of our families, imploding of the very things we loved the most when we first started, right? And that's what we're going to look at right now. And let's just, you know, I'm going to set the tone for reality. Can we be real in the room? It's not always fun to be real, is it? I mean, it's fun to be real when we're in a joyous time, but when we have to look at things and really critique them, it's not always fun because we have to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So when we look at pain and suffering, we're going to take a moment and be really real about it. There is something that recently, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders has added a category called Prolonged Grief Disorder prolonged grief disorder. And that's just come to light because of the last two years. Matter of fact, experts are preparing for, are you ready? A severe bereavement time. You know, our adrenaline's going, we get through COVID, we're getting to the end of this thing, we're getting out of it, and now all of a sudden things are gonna, what's normal? How do we go back? Oh no, look at what has happened in our past. Look what's happened the last two years. We've kind of been in a cloud, and now we look back and think, what in the world happened? That's what they're talking about. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you're feeling like, yeah, that's where I'm living. Yep, that's exactly where I'm at, Mary. I'm thinking, what in the world has gone on? And maybe it's not just been two years. Maybe it's been five years for you. Maybe it's been ten years for you. Maybe it's been a lifetime for you. Maybe it was just yesterday. Maybe it has nothing to do with COVID and it has to just do with our physical health. Maybe it's something that just is being compounded with the daily life in which we've been called to live and the environment of which we're walking through right now. So I want to ask you this question. I asked you, what do you want? Why are you here today? And as we talk about pain and suffering, here's the other question I want to tag on to this. Where will you focus, or where will I focus, where will we focus, and on who or what will we believe about pain and suffering? And I want you to personalize that as we get into this. What will you believe about pain and suffering? Where are you going to focus when we walk through a difficult day? And if you're sitting there and today's a good day, awesome, awesome. Tomorrow's coming, and you have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they chose me for this topic. Okay. So I haven't forgotten. Let's stand. We're going to read the word. We're going to read two passages, Proverbs 425 and Hebrew t- Hebrews 12one through 2. And I'll give you a minute if you pull that up on your phones or open your Bibles. I think they'll be on the screens too. So Proverbs 425. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you, Jesus, for the work on the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for resurrection power in which you want to bestow upon us in our lives that we can walk in the fullness of what you've called us to father as the word goes out let it penetrate every heart we are so grateful for the sustenance it brings to our life we're so grateful that we can sit in the word this morning and we can let it penetrate our hearts and that father it would do the work it's to do that would bring us closer to you father we would know you more this morning we love you we ask this all in Jesus' name amen thank you you may be seated So we're going to go through this this morning, Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. We're just going to start right there. And the first, again, the question is, and let's just revisit it for a moment. You're, You're going to hopefully leave with it ringing in your ears when you leave today. Where will we focus and who or what will we believe about our pain? We're going to lay a foundation right now. How do we move forward when the past and the present is so painful? And here's a question. Again, I'm asking lots of questions, and I pray that one or two of them are going to grab you. Do you believe that in your pain and suffering, Jesus, through his spirit, is present with you? Now, we know we're going to say yes because we believe. But I'm saying, do you know? Do you experience? If we do, do you experience that peace in the midst of such turmoil? That the world can't understand. Do you extend? Do you experience the extending of the power of the spirit to overcome? Because you know on the other end of that there's something good in store. Now that's not to medicate the suffering and pain. People use that in script. You know, something good's gonna come out of it, something's good, and you wanna throw an apple at them, right? Let's be real, that's not. That's not helpful in the moment. But what is helpful is fixing our eyes on Jesus, knowing that He's with us and He will sustain us and we will overcome. And in that, there's a hope for something. Hope to know Him more. So, the foundation. We're gonna look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, just that very first verse or first stanza. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And I really felt this morning that we wanted to look and get a little idea of who is this cloud of witnesses? They're surrounding us in this room as sure as we're sitting. I believe it. They're they're cheering us on from the heavenlies. Who are they? Here we go. Who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in the battle women received back their dead raised to life again there were others who were tortured there were others who were um, others who were tortured refusing to be released so that did you notice the turn i just got to stop that for a moment did you notice the Overcoming slaying battles or lions, dragons, lions, all that kind of stuff. Now we're switching. And this is all based in faith. We've switched now. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain of an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sodden too. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. I love this next phrase. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. All of what I just read was commended for the faith. These people, none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, So that only together with us would they be made perfect. Why is that important when we address suffering and pain? Some really important takeaways. Our faith in Christ does not provide an automatic exemption from hardships, trials, or tragedy. Here's another one. Difficult life experiences do not mean people possess less faith than those who are not afflicted or living in pain. Here's another one. Faith that enables people to endure pain is the same faith that enables people to escape trouble. The same faith that enables some to escape death God is a miracle-working God, and he has works, and he does work healing. He can do it instantaneously, and he can do it through the medical profession. He can do it any way he pleases, and he does heal. The same faith that allows others to die victoriously. I have a friend, and she came when we first came to Calvary, and she's been gone about seven years, maybe eight years I don't recall exactly. And we prayed every day for her healing on this earth. And God, she, she's healed. She's up in heaven. But you know what she left me? She's one of these cloud of witnesses. You know what she left me? She left me an example. I know by watching her life that she was so fixed on Jesus. She went a while, a, through the way of suffering in such a way that she, I know that I can do it too. Because the same God that was with her is the same God that's with me. So we all have a different course of life, but our goal is all the same, and that's what do we believe, where do we focus, and what do we believe about pain and suffering? Faith is not a bridge over troubled waters. And, um, oh, this is a younger group. (laughs) Some of you don't know that song. Only musicians, probably. Faith over trauma. You know, and I've stopped every time because I, I cannot not mention this. Um, and it's a little side note. It has nothing to really do with this other than singing music. I was in the car, my, my daughter was about five. I think she's about five. She's little. And we're just letting it rip, right? We're singing in the car. And, and I'm like, you know, you look over, and she's like looking at you. And I, I, I stopped, and I said, uh, something wrong? Or I, some, what's, What are you thinking? I said something like that. I don't remember. She goes, Mom, does it bother the, you that you can't sing? <laughs> yes, I put her outside the car and she walked home. No, I'm not kidding. And I looked at her and I said, no, does it bother you that I can't sing? Faith is the pathway through troubled waters. Faith is your pathway. If your marriage is struggling, faith is the pathway. And where we focus matters. Where we put our faith matters. Because here's the reason. What we believe is where we're going to focus. And where we focus is where we're going to end. If you're, if you're in a difficult situation and you're saying, we're never going to make it, it's never going to work, I can't do this anymore, I'm not judging the entire scenario, I'm saying that language means there's a belief system at work. And that belief system helps us focus on, it's never going to work. And then that belief system gets us to a point of where we act on, it's never going to work. Now, there are seasons where we all feel this way, but what God has called us to is to walk through pain and suffering differently in a faith that says, I don't see it, I don't understand it, but God is big and good, and he has good things for me. So how we move forward when the past or the present is too painful begins with this foundation of what do we believe. Faith is different, I mean, how it's played out is different in all our lives, but nonetheless, our belief system makes a big difference on how we live our life. Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the, mark, the race that's marked out for you. So pain, nonetheless, is going to force us down one of two highways. One highway is going to be that highway that feels the depth of pain and it doesn't feel good and I promise if you're suffering or you're in pain, you're not going to want to stay there, right? And so we're going to find ways to deal with it. And we take it in our own hands and we begin to medicate it. Now, we can medicate in a lot of ways, but oftentimes it can be good things. I'm going to work more hours. I'm going to provide for my family. I'm going to do everything really good because sometimes the suffering and the pain is something we've brought along with us from our childhood And we bring it along and it becomes something we become entangled in because we start to choose our way. We choose our things to help with that deep pain that's being pressed down into our souls. Does that make sense? And as we begin that road, it first is a hindrance to our faith, but then pretty soon our choices get us entangled. Have you ever been tangled up in Christmas lights? That's so what came to mind. Entangled. Yeah, it put up the Christmas lights. So I get entangled in the lights. Now, if you're new to Calvary, you don't know this joke. It's kind of a family joke, and I shouldn't tell that kind of joke. But the story is that I'm the one that's always outside putting up the Christmas lights. I hired someone this year. <laughs> yes, Ray knows. But anyway, entangled. So much that we can't move, Right. So the way that way is not the way that God's called us to live or walk through pain. The second path is what we're going to talk about about now. Before we do though, um, when we get entangled and we start pushing that pain down so far, uh, something called denial happens because we don't want to feel the pain, we don't want to walk in suffering, so we push it down, push it down, and we deny that it really it, something is really bothering us or is really painful, and that denial becomes generational because whatever we're medicating ourselves with begins to be inbred in our nature and our DNA kind of takes over that I can be a perfectionist, the human part of our failing, our falling, and our kids pick up on it, and then they begin to do it, and then the pain is replicated in them. Generational sin's birth. Now, let me give you an example of that. About eight years ago, Ray and I, um, well, Ray for our staff brought in um, Dr. and Ted, Diane Roberts. And they came in to offer some counseling as we were going through as a staff some things. And they wanted to check our emotional health. And so they came in to give us this assessment. How much trauma individually were we pressing down deep in our souls? And so as we took the test, um, and I asked my daughter if I could share this. Stacy was on staff at the time, and she was sitting next to me. And um, I finished, and I, you know, how you do it when someone's next to you taking a test. Like, what's your scores like, right? And so I looked over, and immediately I saw that her scores were higher than mine. And the higher the score, the more trauma. And her score was higher than mine, and I'm thinking, what? She's been raised in my house. That can't be. What's wrong with her? (laughs) I was Kind of scary when you think about it now. But that's how I thought. A year later, after obviously I wasn't dealing with my trauma, a year later I was in a worse place and I called Diane and I said Diane and I was sharing with her and she said one thing, hey Mary, go back and take that test, would you please? So I went back and I took the test and then I called her and said, oh my word, I'm so messed up. My, My numbers are so high. And she corrected it and said, you're not messed up. You've just got some stuff you've got to deal with. You've carried a lot of baggage along with you. There's a lot of trauma and pain and suffering that you just kind of wore well until you couldn't. And that began my journey towards dealing with my pain. And maybe you're sitting here and you were like me when I first took the test. And there's a little denial there. Oh, Mary. Oh, my gosh, do I really have to listen to this message? I thank God that he sent people to help me push into it, to break free from the denial. We wonder why our kids are angry, frustrated, lonely, fearful, and sad. Reality, I told you, maybe they're replicating the weight of the parents' pain and grief. maybe they need someone to show them how to move forward through their pain but here's this, the thing that's so important to us when we might of fixing our eyes on Jesus is we can't give them something we don't have we can't show them a way if we don't know the way ourselves we don't know how to reprodu- not reproduce childhood wounds If we haven't dealt with our own, because we're just gonna reproduce them in our kids. So, denial of pain and wounds, taking matters in our own hands, just means that as we medicate the pain, we're not conscious of the effect that's going on. And our beliefs have dictated a need that we must do something, because God's not big enough. Or we don't even know God exists. We forgot the way. So we're going to change the question a little bit. What role will the pain and suffering play in helping you and me move forward in the way as we reach for the goal? Now the goal in Hebrews is, is there's a lot in there. We're going to focus on fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because to know Jesus is to know the way, the truth, and the life, right? John chapter 14 is beautiful. When you guys get home, be sure and read through it. Read through all of chapter 14. Jesus has just told his disciples what's going to happen, what's in front of him, and he's going to be leaving them. And they couldn't handle on. They couldn't really focus on what was going to happen to Jesus. They had to. They were focused on their own pain and sorrow. Sound familiar? So as they focused on their own pain and sorrow, Jesus, I just imagine him so lovingly putting aside, knowing our nature, and saying this to them: "Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God; believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If the, if it were not so, I would have told you that. If it <laughs> let me try that again. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you?" And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence. This is for us. You know that? This verse is for us too. I will welcome you into my presence so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So he looks at his disciples. They're grieving. And he says, you know the way. You know where I'm going. And Thomas says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Have you ever felt like that? I don't know the way. I don't know how to get out of this. I am so downcast. I don't know what I'm focusing on. But I know I don't know. And Jesus responds. He says, I am the way. I am the way and the truth, and the life. In Jesus, three things. I am the way we should go. I am the way. Focus on me. I am the way to truth. Stop believing lies. I am life. Stop being, living a life of destruction. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So the pathway, the way, or the goal through our pain is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus laid the way out. What's that mean? We develop a cultural, a kingdom culture mindset. Kingdom culture mindset starts by that song we just sang. Man, so much theology in that last song. You could feel it, right? Right? believing in the work of Christ, believing in Isaiah 61 that he brings beauty from the ashes of our life and we're sitting there saying there's nothing left. And he says, good, now follow the way, follow me, fix your eyes on me and let me bring beauty out of that situation, out of that destroyed relationship, out of that hopeless job, out of that state that you don't even know right side up. And then we live by this kingdom mindset that the kingdom is here. That's what I should have said when I got up here. The kingdom is here. The spirit is here. The kingdom is at work. And someday, man, it's going to be beautiful when we get to really enjoy it in its entirety. Therefore, we're not alone. And the spirit walks with us. And the spirit brings us peace to finish the race strong. And we can be overcomers in the midst of the trial and the suffering. Not a survivor. I am not a survivor. I am an overcomer. Do you feel the difference weight in those two words? I am an over... A survivor might get out of it by the skin of their teeth or whatever that saying is. An overcomer rises up above it. John 16 tells us, I tell you the truth. For your benefit, I'm going away, and unless I go away, the helper's not going to come. I still have much to tell you, and you can't bear it, but he's going to guide you into all truth. And it's the spirit that fills our life. So what, what role will pain and suffering play in helping us reach our goal, knowing Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? There's six points, real quick. First is, we got to believe in the kingdom principles. Remember, we're talking about what do we believe in? What is our faith put in? Where are we going to focus? We have to believe in the kingdom principles, and someone in this room needs to hear this. God is not for you. Or, pardon me, God is not against you. Wow. Wow. That was bad. That is not what you want to hear. You should have responded with, Get behind me, Satan. That is not the word. I'm not used to doing a whole weekend, Pastor Daniel. (laughs) I'm good for one. (laughs) Okay, God is for you. He is not against you. You can be sitting there saying, I am the worst person in the world, Mary. You don't know my story. And no, I don't. But, you know, I know someone who knew it before it was ever written. I know someone who knows what it's going to be in the future. And he's the only one that counts in the room. And God wants you to know He is for you. He has something better for you. He's not against you. What you're walking through isn't his punishment. He is for you. God's spirit is alive and working within our souls. That's a kingdom principle. Jesus is coming to set us free, and we've got to know these principles. Second, we need to identify the wound. Identify the wound. We do that by asking some simple questions. First, we have to always ask the Holy Spirit for help. Have you guys ever walked into your house and seen the laundry spread all over the floor? And your initial response is, oh, isn't that lovely? I get to pick up the laundry. No, you say, why don't they listen to me? Why don't you listen? I've told you more than once, to pick your clothes up off the floor. And we kind of have this overreaction of something that could be very little. But we overreact and we rant. How about this one? You walk in from work and whoever's been home all day um, has bagged up the trash. And you walk in first thing long day and they say, hey, so good to see you. Could you take the trash out for me? (laughs) Jesse, I love you. Yeah, Jesse voiced it. But you know what some will do is this. And then whoever it is says to you, did you, hey, did you hear me? Could, do you mind taking that trash bag out? And then you go. That's called an underreaction. Underreactions and overreactions are signs that there's something else going on inside. It's not about the bag. It's not about the clothes. There's something else going on inside there. So there's three things you, we can do. The three W's and a lie. Here we go. What am I feeling? And I'm going to cut this rather short. Um, What am I feeling? On the clothes, I'm mad. I'm frustrated. No one's listening to me. Second one, why am I feeling that way? I continually tell the kids, pick up their stuff. No one wants to help around the house. They don't really care about me, obviously. They don't care that I'm working long hours. And then we go, when did I first feel that way? You know, I remember talking to my dad, and all he would do is respond in this anger. It's like he couldn't hear me, and I know he didn't love me. And right there, the enemy has slipped in, in that, in that wounding moment, and it doesn't matter their intention, that wounding moment, and a lie's birth, you are unlovable and no one cares for you. For the person who's working the long hours trying to succeed and do and be and deal with I'm a good person, the enemy says, nah, you're never going to be good enough. See how the enemy slips in there? So we have one of two roads. We can do the one road towards destruction or we focus on Jesus and we push through it. And we do that by grieving the loss and the pain. And we only do that in community. Henry Nouwen has this quote, healing begins not where our pain is taken away, but where it can be shared and seen as part of a larger pain. The first task of healing, therefore, is to take our many problems and pains out of isolation. Get that? Out of isolation and place them at the center of the great battle against the evil one. As we create space to mourn, whether through one-on-one, relationships, small groups, or a communal celebration. When you walk in here and you, this is a communal celebration. You walk in here and you sit down and that worship music goes. I hope you remember this next time. And you start to feel the tears well up and you feel the emotion and you lock it down. What's happening in the moment is you're creating space for the spirit to bring that stuff up so you can release it and mourn it. No one's going to look and go, oh, look at them. They're losing it. <laughs> and if they do, shame on them. Oh, that's bad. Anyway. <laughs> this is a place of safe place. Community is not just something we want to snag you guys with. We believe community is a place of, of where we can come together and we can focus on the way and we can walk together through life's difficult seasons. We've got a in community. The fourth is we have to accept what happened. Accept what happened. And that's hard because we have to look at the reality. The fifth is we rewrite the lies and truth. I'll give you my lies. I told you that I had a lot to work on. Here's one that I had. I will be abandoned. Therefore, Ray will stay at arm's distance. Truth, for I am not. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God. Here's a lie I had: My marriage is going to end. I told you I was going to be real. And then the truth came. Psalm 46:10: "Be still. And know I'm God. Let me do a work in you, Mary. It wasn't about Ray. But we all have our, our stuff. But God was dealing with my heart. Be still. Let me be God to you. Let me deal with your stuff. I'm safe. I'm not going to leave you. The Spirit's gentle and kind. He won't lead me where I'm left on the floor in a puddle to bring people around me to help me process it. Like I said, we've been praying for you guys. We've been praying for this weekend. We always pray for the weekend. Um, there's, there's a, about five years ago, in closing, as we sit in this moment, five years ago, a team of us, and I think it was about five years ago, we went to Israel, and while we were there, Um, the community that God had placed Ray and I in was really perfect. And there were people from our church. And we were at one of the chapels in Magdala. And Ray and I had stayed up and we sent the team down. We were tired and we sent the team down and they were down in the lower chapel. And I had my earbuds in so I could hear the dialogue going on. And the chapel was the chapel dedicated to women. And immediately I caught that and I thought, I want to get there. I want to hear about that. And so I uh, went down and Ray, Ray came to, and as we walked into this beautiful space, the Irish priest was leading us into another chapel area, a smaller area. And as he set us down, there was an altar, and he set us around the altar, and we were staring up at this beautiful mural that's coming up on the screen. Now when you look at that, you see the feet. You see feet, right? And then you see the hand, and the hand is pushing through the crowd to just touch the robe of Jesus' feet. And that mural, as I sat there and this priest started to talk and share this beautiful story, the pain of a recent, of a couple years, 10 years actually, had been pushed so far down and I was being so strong for another person, a family member, that I hadn't dealt with any of my emotions about it. And as I'm sitting in that environment, he tells the story about a woman who had a health issue, 12 years of bleeding uncontrollably. No medical people could help her. She was considered unclean. You can read this in Mark 5. She was considered unclean. And if she went out and touched anybody by religious law, they would be unclean. So, because of the religious law, she was doomed to be isolated and quarantined from society. She was ostracized. She was judged. She couldn't get out to touch Jesus' feet because if they found her before she even got close enough to him, she was in trouble. Anything and everything she touched would be unclean. And so she pushes through the crowd to the way, to the one. Because she had heard Jesus heals. He's the Messiah. And she was going to push her way through. And don't I don't believe the enemy didn't give her any slack either. Just like us. I bet you at some point she had to choose what she would believe. Is he really the Messiah? Do you really think you're going to be healed? Do you know if you get caught what's going to happen? But she knew that he was where she was fixing her eyes because the way, the truth, the life giver, she had to get in there and touch him. And I sat there and that priest called me out. I broke out of a moment of where I didn't even realize I needed to touch Jesus. I needed the way, I needed Jesus to overwhelm my circumstance and let me just grieve. Let me just leave it at his feet. And you know what he does? He never leaves us without giving something back. And when she touched, what happened? Power went out and she was healed. And Jesus flips around and says, who just touched me? Now there was a crowd around and the disciples said, how can you say that? There's a crowd all around you. But he knew because the kingdom had been established in that woman's life. The kingdom power had just left him. And for the reason for the kingdom, he said, no, my power, there's power has gone out. And that woman had to be made known and she had to come out from the dark. She had come out from the crowd and she confessed, It was me, and here's what happened. And his response was to her, Oh, you disobeyed the law. No, his response was, Daughter, your suffering is over. We're going to play a song. And we don't, this is not preformed that we're trying to motivate anybody to do anything. But here's what we believe we believe God's in the house. We believe the spirit's in the house. We believe that there's one or two or more of you that have walked into this building and you feel like that woman who had no control over her situation, no control over her health. And as you walk into this space, we just want you to sit in it. Because God wants to meet you. Jesus, the way, wants you to lift your eyes up, focus on him, and let him be your healer. Let him be your comforter. Let him wrap your marriage in his arms. Let him be what you need today. They're going to play a song. We're going to dim the lights. And if you want to be like that woman and get out of the crowd and come down here and make a a statement that says, Jesus, I'm fixing my eyes on you, you are the way. And I will not listen to the lies and I'm gonna focus on you. And then we will pray with you and we will believe you're gonna leave here different. So let's just sit in it, okay?